The following message was preached at Gospel City Church, a church that seeks to cast a gospel net for the people of Kuala Lumpur. That this morning is special. You know, the world is made up of how many continents? We have members from every continent here this morning. I leave you the challenge to figure out where the, each of those continents are and which member from those continents, right? Every continent is represented today, this morning. So yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, we continue our series through the book of Hebrews this morning. Uh, we theme the whole series, The Supremacy of Christ. We're going to look specifically at the last part of chapter 7, uh, which was just read earlier. So in the past few weeks, we've been learning about the special role of Jesus. He's our heavenly high priest. Uh, he's our royal high priest. Uh, we also talk about Melchizedek, a mysterious figure, and how Jesus is similar to him in being a priest. Uh, Marcus is not here today, but he mentioned something quite interesting last week. He said, Uncle, I have not, I, in the last few weeks, I have learned more about Melchizedek than I've ever did before. So, it's, it's a character that's mentioned once in Genesis, referred to in Psalms, but then GCC has dedicated four or five weeks of sermons and each time bringing up this Melchizedek. We're not going to preach about Melchizedek. We're going to preach about Jesus, right? So, let me assure you. <laughs> so, um, Andy, uh, in last week's sermon, showed us how we can draw near to God through Jesus. So, but today, our focus is on understanding why Jesus being our high priest is so special and what this means to us. And in the Bible, especially in the, Old, in the New Testament, Jesus has many roles. He's a teacher, a healer, and someone who did miracles. But in the book of Hebrews, we see Jesus in a different way. Here, he is like an eternal high priest. This role is uh, very important because it shows us how Jesus connects us with God. And Andy talked about that last week, how God, through Jesus, turned us back to himself. So... A short recap of the past few sermons. Uh, we learn about Jesus being our high priest in chapter 2, uh, chapter 4, uh, chapter 5, uh, when I, I remember Ekin preached about being the royal. The first idea of Melchizedek was introduced in chapter 5. But today, we're going to understand this even better and to see how this all fits into the bigger story of how God saves us. The author of Hebrew was writing to people who were Christians, but also had a Jewish background. They were not sure about their faith and thought about going back to the old Jewish race. The author told them to stay strong in their faith. He used stories and teachings from the Old Testament to show that God was still with them. He pointed out that Jesus was the one they were waiting for, according to their Jewish beliefs and traditions. So, thinking about the priests in the Bible, we know that they are very important. 
they talked to God for the people and offered sacrifices. They were like a bridge connecting the divine and the fallen. But these priests were only human. They lived and they died. They could only do so much. But Jesus is different. His work as a priest is not limited by life and death. So this is still background, eh? because that's all just Hebrews has so many overlapping <laughs> points about eternal and all that. So I'm just going to do a quick background recap and then go into the, last, uh, the next six verses. So in Hebrews chapter 7, we learn that Jesus is not just a priest in a normal place, but in heaven. Using the image of Melchizedek, who has neither a beginning nor end of life, we were told his role as a priest is not just for a short time, it lasts forever. This makes what he does for us very, very special and personal. We will learn how the sacrifice Jesus made, dying on the cross, did something amazing. Something no other sacrifice could ever do. His sacrifice was complete and perfect. This is a point in the sermon that we will go into. So let's be ready to open our hearts and minds as we learn more about Jesus, our perfect high priest. This isn't only about history of, or what happened a long time ago. It is about our lives right now and how we connect with God today. So before we continue, let's pray and ask God to help us understand and learn. Dear God, as we open your word, we ask that you would Prepare our heart to receive it. Open our eyes to see your truth. But most of all, soften our heart to hear your voice. Help us to understand your word and apply it to our life. We expect that you will speak to us through your word today. Help us to hear what you are saying and to obey your commands. We thank you for your word and we pray that you would use it to transform our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I have a question for you. Do you know who Toru Kumon, the Japanese man, is? So maybe you're looking around, hoping that somebody will know so that we save ourselves the embarrassment. But, but if I mention Kumon Mats, suddenly all your, your, your eyes all brighten up. Yeah, I, I know. Kumon Mats, yes. All of you now can claim that you know Toru Kumon, but you don't really know Toru Kumon. But I bring up Kumon-san, you know, giving his Japanese honorific, because he's a good example of a teacher. He believed that students learn best when they are really involved in learning and can make mistakes. His teaching method was challenging, but not too hard. It helps students learn from the mistakes that they make. Kumon was a great teacher. He cared a lot about education and really wanted to help the students do well. He was patient. This is Wikipedia. Huh? He was patient and kind and never gave up on his students, even when things were tough. So this is not the Bible. Please don't get <laughs> So imagine having a teacher like him 
who stays with you through your whole time at school. This teacher knows you very well, what you're good at, what's hard for you, and how you learn best. When you're just starting off at school, um, the teacher helps you with simple stuff, guiding you step by step. As you get better, he helps you with harder topics, always supporting and encouraging you. He doesn't just give you the answers. He teaches you how to find them yourself, which helps you become more confident and independent. I had the privilege of a teacher like that, but not at my primary years, but at university. So continuing with the teacher example, think about the time when you made a mistake or failed a test, which I did in this particular case. A good teacher like the one we're talking about doesn't just get upset or give up on you. Instead, he sees these occasions as chance for us, for him, to help us learn. He helps you understand what you did wrong and how to do better next time. He always believes in you and even when you might not believe in yourself. So imagine how much you could achieve in school with a teacher like that, always by your side. My wish was that professor was my primary school teacher and he got promoted along the way to my secondary school and then my <laughs> university, but I did not. So I, but I learned the joy of having a teacher who walked alongside me that way. So in the Old Testament, uh, the high priest was very important for the Jewish people. They had a special job. All high priests had a special job. Once a year, he went into the holy place in the temple called the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifices for the people's sin. This was a big responsibility. The high priest was the bridge, as we mentioned, between God and the people. But there was a problem. The priests were human. And they, they have to keep doing it over and over again every year. The sacrifices they made were good, but they couldn't completely take away people's sin forever. So let's turn to the Bible now. To Hebrews chapter 7. We open chapter 7 and scroll down to the last six verses. Verses 23 to 28. I have split these verses into two ideas. The slide will guide you. The first part, verses 23 to 25, which we, are, we shall call it a permanent, the idea of permanent. And then verses 26 to 28, which I've titled, Perfectly Sufficient. So let's start with permanent. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 to 25 reads as follows. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So the first part. Here, we see a big difference that shows 
as Jesus' priesthood is permanent. This is really important for us to understand how special his role is. Now think about that teacher who helps students with their homework every day. This help is good, but the student needs it again the next day. Right? So the teacher's help is only for a short time, just like the work of this priest was only for a short time. They could give guidance and help, but they couldn't fix the problem of sin for good. But Jesus, our perfect high priest, is different. He brought a permanent solution. The Bible says there were many priests because they couldn't keep being priests after they died. They could only be priests for a while and then someone else had to take over. This means that their work was to help people get close to God always faced stoppages and it wasn't continuous. It's similar to having many those of you who are teachers, yeah, Jordan, it's like having many temporary replacement teachers. Each one starts at the beginning again, and they can't always help you the whole way. Now compare this to Jesus. The Bible says he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. This is a huge change from the old way. Jesus beat death when he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. So his role as a priest now doesn't end. So that's the point that we have to remember. He's like the teacher who doesn't just stay for a year or two, but is with you for your whole life always guiding and helping you. I wouldn't want my professor to be with me in my home with my wife. No, listen. So teacher analogy goes so far. It ends here, right? Let's forget about the teachers now. Now let's look at the most important part of Jesus being an eternal priest, the one who is permanent forever, doesn't die, which we find in verse 25. Verse 25, read it again. It says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So let's break it down. Because Jesus lives forever and his priesthood is permanent, therefore, he can do something special. What can he do? He can save. Now, who does he save? He saves those who draw near to God through him. And how does he save? He saves them since he always lives to make intercession for them. In other words, he saves them because he's always interceding or praying to God for them without stopping. So this verse is really powerful. It gives us hope and a clear promise. Jesus' role as someone who speaks and talks to God for us is not limited by time or any situation in life. His ways of saving us is not just a little bit 
or for a short time, it is complete and forever. He saves completely, fully, totally for all time. His work to speak to God for us is always there, never failing. Think about a doctor, not just any doctor, but one who treats you and also keeps taking care of you all the time, always there, always looking after you. Like my cardiologist. I met him last week. And he reminded me, Manon, it wouldn't be a good idea to try a triathlon or another full marathon before I turn 60 next year. So this is Sue nudging him, saying, he's thinking of doing that. I say, oh. So Andy and Cornelius, I have to say sorry. Yeah? As much as I want to join you, my doctor's constant advice is more important because it gives peace and comfort to my wife. So. But another key phrase in verse 25 that I want us to focus on is that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. The word uttermost includes all that can be said. Hardly use this word. In my English essays, in my life, my entire life, other than biblical references, I hardly use, I, mean, I don't think I can even use the word uttermost before. You have a flair in language, in English literature, you may have used it. But you use it to express an extreme, all-encompassing idea. So John Newton once wrote, Take an estimate of all our sins. Estimate all our sins. All our temptations. All our difficulties. All our fears. And all our backslidings of every kind. Still, the word uttermost goes beyond them all. It's the word that's so big that it goes beyond what you can imagine. The word carries the idea of both fullness and finality. Jesus is able to save completely to the uttermost and he is able to save forever. And the reason he's able to save his people so fully, so completely, is because, go back to the verse, he always lives to make intercession for them. In a world of ever-present danger, we have an ever-praying Savior. Jesus told Apostle Peter, you flipped with me, we divert back to Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 34. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 34. Jesus told the apostle Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, 
the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. Until you deny three times that you know me. This is famous story. We are all familiar. But I want us to just go back to that day and this conversation Jesus had with Peter. So at the dawn of Good Friday, just as the rooster crow, Peter broke down in shame, in deep sorrow. Peter Peter's tears flowed on the streets of Jerusalem. The same man who had once leaped from his boat to follow Jesus and raised his voice to confess Jesus and who walked on the water to meet Jesus, somehow, someway found himself denying Jesus. Satan had taken the rock and thrown him like a pebble the rock was shown no longer big no long, not a rock anymore it's just like a tiny pebble yet even then somehow some way peter's faith did not fail not completely he failed for a moment his action, his decision, denying. But he would meet Jesus once again by the sea and once again he would leap from his boat to follow Jesus. And why? Why was he able to do that? Back to the five words, five simple words. Jesus told Peter, I have prayed for you. Satan may sift you, Peter, but still, I will save you. Jesus knew Peter would deny him. He also knew Peter's faith will not fail. Because Jesus prayed for him. And his instructions and work he wants Peter to do. In the last phrase of verse 30, uh, chapter 22, verse 32, he says, And when you have turned again, which you will, because I know and I pray for you, strengthen your brothers. Go out and do that. So what does it mean for us to believe in Jesus? It means our connection with God is based on something that doesn't change. In Jesus we have someone who is always speaking to God for us. Like a never-ending helper. He is our high priest forever. This makes our faith more than just repeating religious actions to say sorry to God. Instead, it becomes a never-ending journey of receiving God's kindness, which Jesus made sure of. And Jesus was making sure of that and keeps that alive. Those of you who come and attend the Thursday Devotion weekly, we think about this every time we meet. This journey of grace is about living 
every day with the kindness, forgiveness, and love from God, thanks to Jesus. It means God's goodness shapes how we live. So look at some ways uh, this happens in our daily life. So we can understand in terms of personal growth and a change of, of a new life in Christ, we understand that we are always growing and changing. God's kindness helps change who we are. Like when you feel angry or upset, it's not just about trying hard to be better. It's about letting God's forgiveness and new start work in you. Or consider forgiving others. Just like we receive forgiveness from God, we forgive people who hurt us. It might mean making up with a friend or family member and letting go of those old hurts. We can show the same forgiveness we get and we receive from God. Or maybe another scenario when we make mistakes, another situation where we make mistakes. If we do something wrong, we don't succeed, we don't just feel broken, guilty. We depend on God's kindness to forgive us and give us strength to try again. It's about not giving up even when things are hard because we trust God's kindness covers our weaknesses. More importantly, maybe in a community like ours or with other community, with other people who share the same faith, we take part in our community and relationship with a, diff, a kind attitude, a God-shaped attitude of grace. This means being patient with other people's mistake, helping without waiting for something back, and working for peace and understanding, helping people see the change in you that can glorify Him. In all these ways, remember verse 25. Jesus is always speaking and interceding for us. We are not alone in these things. Jesus is with us, helping us along the way. Now, let's look at the second part of our text from verses 26 to 28. Flip back to Hebrews 7. We're going to read verses 26 to 28, which talks about Jesus' sacrifice is perfectly enough like nothing else ever was. Turn to your Bible. Verse 26, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, 
appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. So when the Bible says Jesus is holy, innocent, unstained, it's telling us about his sinlessness. In biblical terms, being perfect means being completely free from sin. Those of you who are perfectionists, it's an oxymoronic idea for a Christian because only Jesus is perfect. Unlike us, Jesus never did anything wrong. He lived a life that was perfectly aligned with God's will. This sinlessness is crucial because by only someone who is completely pure can stand before God as a perfect mediator or high priest. This is what sets Jesus apart from all the other priests. In the old system, the priests were humans who had their own sins. So they had to offer sacrifice for themselves first and then for the people. But Jesus was different. Because he was sinless, he didn't need to offer a sacrifice for himself. His one sacrifice was sufficient for all of us for all time. This is why his sacrifice is described as once for all. Remember, this idea that we have already discussed, I think it was uh, Egan who first introduced the idea about priests perfecting themselves before they went into the most sacred place. So Jesus does not need to do that. By By himself, he's perfect, right? The perfection of Jesus is not just about moral excellence, but also about his unique nature as both God and man. In being both, he bridges the gap between humanity and divinity. His perfection lies in his ability to perfectly represent man before God and to bring God's presence to man. Short diversion back to the idea of the teacher. Imagine the teacher who is not only an excellent at teaching, but also has a perfect character. That's how Jesus as a high priest, always and forever. I want to be careful that I'm not equating a teacher to Jesus. Don't say I'm preaching heresy. (laughs) It's just to help us illustrate, right? Okay. Like the teacher who do not only knows every subject, but also teaches with perfect wisdom and understanding. Jesus serves as a high priest with perfect knowledge of both God's will and our needs. Just as we look back to Luke, where Jesus' conversation with Peter, before Peter even knew, I will go to prison with you. Jesus said, no, you will. But don't, I will pray for you. So let's go further to verse 27. He didn't need to make sacrifices every day since he did this once for all when he sacrificed himself. Now, this is a big deal, right? So old priests had to make sacrifices all the time, but Jesus just did it once. And that was enough for everyone forever. 
the teacher giving one lesson that teaches you everything you need to know for life gives you one lesson in school and then you can all the way go through and scroll your, your score your PhD defense whenever you do that that's what Jesus did with his sacrifice one action that's completely enough in verse 28 he was chosen not just because he was picked but because he was perfect for this it was not a last-minute decision God has promised this long ago showing that Jesus role was planned and will last forever we have been we have been introduced to this psalm 110 verse 4 at least two three occasions in the whole sermon series psalms 110 verse 4 that quoted that was quoted again in verse 21 last week by andy that jesus came to be the perfect priest ending the need for all other priests because of him we don't need someone else to make things right between us and god so what does it mean for us it means everything jesus did his life, death, and resurrection was all part of him being the perfect high priest. This gives us not just a temporary solution for our sins, but a forever one. We have Jesus who did it once, did it perfectly, and did it for all of us. Jesus didn't just do that in a, as an act in the past. He lives now and forever perfectly fitting in the role of our Savior and someone who speaks for us. So, how do we apply this? I'm going to walk through some situations in life uh, that if we truly understand the enormity of what Jesus accomplished for us, I'm going to walk through those scenarios and then prompt you with a few challenge questions and see whether you're applying this truth and this understanding in your life. So, living with confidence, Christians, we need to know we can live with confidence. So remember, Jesus is our eternal helper who understands and supports us. This means we can face our daily challenges and mistakes with confidence, knowing He is always there for us. This is head knowledge. Head knowledge, right? We understand all that. We can share with our brothers when in the equip group, in conversation. This is in our head. But when was the last time that you face a challenge but you forgot to rely on Jesus presence you don't have to answer but that's something I want all of us to reflect on so we understand salvation and sanctification this is the second scenario recognizing Jesus continually intercession continual intercession for us clarifies our view of salvation and spiritual growth you know okay we were saved on the cross because jesus died on the cross and then he continued to pray for us we understand the idea of jesus continue to pray for us is protects us and seals us in our sanctification remaining acceptable and sinless because jesus continues to pray for us so salvation is this one-time event when we were saved from the penalty of sin through faith in jesus However, our spiritual journey doesn't end there, right? Sanctification being an ongoing process where Jesus' kindness guides and shapes us daily, helping us to become more like Him, 
the journey of sanctification involves growing in our relationship with God, influenced by Jesus' constant work in our lives, covering our present struggles and future growth. We hear this all the time. We use this to encourage other Christians. But when was the last time you took a moment to recognize and appreciate the ongoing process of sanctification in your life since accepting Jesus? That moment when Luke, uh, Peter broke down, when his tears poured on the streets of Jerusalem. Okay, in other applications, Jesus' role as our high priest is like having a teacher who always with, who's always with you, not just in the classroom, but in every part of your life. He helps us use what we learn in our everyday decisions and actions. We know in our head, this is true, but do you often ignore Jesus' guidance in your daily decision or action? We make decisions all the time. Where to park? Do I nudge in to beat that guy? Is that led by a Christ-shaped mind and heart? Is that decision something that you can attribute to which part of your life? The redeemed, safe part or the old, sinful part? Questions that, that help you reflect and perhaps invoke process of real active sanctification, relying on verse 25 that Jesus will pray and continue to help and walk with you. Now, okay, a few more. Because, it's, I mean, I have time, so I'm going to go through this a few more. So, dealing with sin, in dealing with sin, when you do something wrong, it's important to be honest with God. Sue and I do this all the time. Uh, but sometimes more impactful, and one party is less often use this, but, but it's helpful. It's important to be honest with God about it. We need to confess our sins in prayer, not try to hide from our, excuse, our make excuses. So this honesty is a big step in changing our hearts and minds. So the, com the question that stops all disputes in my conversation with Sue, I'll leave you to guess who asks who, but the question that stops all tension is, what is my sin? Not ask what is your sin, eh? what is my sin? And when, because we are willing to ask that question, and your loving partner tells you what that sin is, you have a starting point. And to rebuild and go back to God. So when was the last time you truly broke down in confession, deeply aware of the gravity of your sins against the backdrop of Jesus' sacrifice? I want to move to the... I have a few, but I want to maybe jump on this one. The idea of valuing grace responsibly. God's grace, though freely given, was purchased at a significant cost. The sacrifice of Jesus. We should live in a way that shows we really understand and value what he did. 
This means, what should it mean? It should mean we shouldn't keep sinning. Thinking is okay because Jesus will forgive us. We should repent for our sins and change our ways, showing that we know grace isn't just an excuse to do wrong, but a reason to live better. So the prompt here, do you misuse God's grace as a license to con for continued and unrepentant sin instead of using it as a catalyst for your change? Lastly, being part of community. Our faith isn't just about us alone. GCC is a church that believes and preaches about membership, that our faith in Christ is healthier, better, if we are accountable to a body. It's not being about... It's about being with other believers, supporting each other, and growing together. So at GCC, we help each other to live out our faith and grow in God's way. So my question to us, are you withholding support to seek growth opportunities for yourself and those in your faith community? If you're not part of GCC, my question is, could be to your own circle within the family, your circle of Christian friends, are you holding support? Or are you exercising this call that Jesus gave to Peter. When you turn back, strengthen your brothers. That's a command. So our responses to Jesus' continuous help should be honest, trusting, aiming to live better every day. This way of living shows, us, shows that we understand how serious sin is and how amazing god's kindness is we don't take sin lightly but we live with hope and thankfulness because of jesus so as we end the sermon today let's really hold on to the enormous grace we receive through jesus being our eternal high priest his sacrifice was complete he keeps speaking and interceding for us all the time and he will always be our high priest, not going to be replaced like the other priests. This gives us a strong and sure hope that we are saved. We are not just saved once. Jesus keeps working in our lives every day to save us. Remember, one last time, we go back to the teacher <laughs> illustration again. The picture is just like what Jesus does as our perfect high priest, like a teacher who is always there helping and guiding a student through school, Jesus is with us in every part of our life with God. He's not just there for a moment. Always Jesus is with us, leading, teaching, speaking to us, and speaking for us. His sacrifice is like the foundation of everything we learn, and his constant presence is the help and support we get every day 
and verse 25, chapter 5, verse 25. Read it, memorize it, remember it, and claim it. Just as a good teacher shapes the whole school journey for a student, Jesus shapes our whole journey with God. He gives us guidance, help, and speaks to God for us forever. Let this knowledge fill you with peace and hope. We can be sure that Jesus takes care of our salvation. I hope this truth makes your faith stronger, gives you more hope, and brings you closer to God. Let's pray. Dear God, Today we think about the, the great sacrifice Jesus made for us. Lord, we are amazed and so thankful for the huge love and kindness that made Jesus take our mistakes and sins upon himself. He faced the pa penalty that, should, that we should have faced. His great act of love is like a bridge connecting us in all our weakness with your perfect goodness in jesus our perfect high priest we have someone who always speaks for us and gives us hope and kindness he always reminds us that we are not forgotten when we face hard times make mistakes or feel lost as we go through life help us remember this every day Jesus' sacrifice is not just something from the past. It is real and alive and it changes how we live. Let this truth guide what we do, the choices we make, and how we treat others and you, God. Please give us your grace to live in the light of this truth. Let this be our strength, hope, and endless kindness as we face life's challenges. Help us to show the same love and sacrifice that Jesus showed in how we act and in helping others. We ask for your guidance and blessing. Help us live in a way that shows we are grateful for what Jesus did for us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and perfect High Priest. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We invite you to learn more about Gospel City Church at gospelcitychurch.my.